From the time of his hatching, he was different. A potentially brilliant scholar who dreaded the structured environment of school. He educated himself in the streets, taking whatever work was available, formulating his philosophy of self from what he had learned of the world about him. And then the cosmic axis shifted, and that world changed. Suddenly, he was stranded in a universe he could not fathom. Without warning, he became a strange fowl in an even stranger land. Welcome to the one, and for some reason only, podcast about Marvel Comics' greatest talking duck, Howard the Duck, trapped in a world he never made, hosted by myself, Noel, who's loved Howard since he was a kid. And me, Russell, who's not new to comics, but is new to Howard. We go through a couple issues from Howard's Marvel comic book history with some creator backgrounds, storied histories, and the weird world of 1970s comic books to today's. Get ducked up in a world he never made. Trapped in a world, the Howard the Duck podcast. Wow! Proud members of the collective. See this episode's show notes for our unique promo code to get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn when you sign up for a new account. Get your show on Apple and Spotify. Get helpful stats and all the support you need to sound your very best. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 303, and you are with your high priest, Conchu Ray. Greetings, all. And for this episode, I will be traversing the comics solo. I haven't done it in a while. So, in a weird way, although it feels like late night radio, uh, it's not live streamed. It feels kind of fun. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm just a hermit by nature. But anyway, welcome everyone. Uh, as mentioned, yep, episode 303. At the time of this recording, it is a waning crescent. So if you look up into the night sky, you will see a waning crescent in the night sky. And that means we will be looking at our Lunapic Classic Run review. It's been a while since we've done this, so that probably adds to the excitement of doing this episode and for this episode we'll be doing Moon Knight Volume 1 Issue 21. Uh, As mentioned I am without Rebecca um, and I am going solo but I'm never alone because I always want to thank all the Petrunis and all the Looney listeners as well. So a huge thank you to all the Petrunis as well as our principal sponsors, Odin, Odin Sword, Drew Terms, Daniel Doing, and Frank the Think Tank. Uh, would like to also thank, of course, our other sponsors, CLZ Comics uh, at Collectors and Dreamland Comics from Schoenberg, Illinois. So with just your faithful high priest, Ray, here to guide you through this episode, I want to kick off with some white noise. Uh, only a few bits of news. I've done a little bit of trawling through the internet, uh, not for reasons that you may think. 
get your mind out of the gutter. Um, it's for Moon Knight News. And the first bit of news I came across was unfortunately a little bit disappointing. Uh, apparently there is confirmation from the director of Wealth by Night, that's a one-shot special on Disney+, Plus, um, going to be released early October. Uh, director Michael Giacchino, uh, he confirmed that there'll be no plans for any sort of crossover with Moon Knight and Werewolf by Night, which is a little bit disappointing because we do know their history together. We do know that, that that's where it all began, basically, at Werewolf by Night, issue 32. Uh, would would be really cool to, to see that kind of reference on screen. Uh, but from what I've read in an article, Michael Giacchino has confirmed that... Uh, and this might be a backhanded little scoop for a Moon Knight Season 2, but he said that, that there are no plans uh, going ahead for, for Werewolf by Night to appear in any future seasons or Season 2 of Moon Knight. So I may have worded that wrong, that the article may have worded it wrong. That may mean that there is a Season 2 coming. I mean, let's all hope so. But unfortunately, there won't be a uh, an appearance by Jack Russell Incidentally, and the boys over at Werewolf by Night, a big hello to, to Jacob and Malcolm, uh, not Jacob and Malcolm, <laughs> um, to Matthew and Jacob. Maybe it's because of your surname, Jacob. But um, a big shout out to those boys because it seems that Werewolf by Night is ticking all the boxes and is getting rave reviews. I've I've not been spoiled by anything. I've just seen some titles to some articles and basically saying that Wealth by Night is <clears throat> is better than Moon Knight, which is a big call, <laughs> if you'd ask me. Uh, but that's actually very encouraging too. And just saying that it's, it's really the first deep dive into Marvel's monster corner of their universe. Uh, and it's just getting rave reviews, like the violence and... Uh, just, just in general, the whole production, the very classic look of the the homage to Universal uh, horror uh, kind of monsters. Personally, I can't wait to see Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone. And the fact that Ulysses Bloodstone is there, for those that have not heard the rumor or the speculation, uh, the desiccated kind of corpse in the in the coffin that addresses the the monster hunters apparently that's ulysses which is pretty cool so anyway i've gone on a, off on a bit of a tangent already but apparently yes uh wolf by night is the shizzle as the the young folk like to say i'm very out of touch i'm a bit of an old fogey so yeah excited to, to to see that and i think it's october 4th or october 7th so keep your your eyes peeled on disney plus uh, i'll be watching it as soon as it drops at a convenient and and at an appropriate time as well for me uh, which i think it does does fall well for australians so i might be able to see that around six or seven o'clock in the evening um, but, but yeah, that is one of the main bits of news, a bit of white noise. The other one, of course, is that Moon Knight, the Epic Collection Volume 4, Butcher's Moon, has been released. Uh, so those with the pre-orders, you, you may be receiving them now. Or if you've gone to your LCS, uh, you may have already picked up your sweet, sweet copy. I have seen photos floating around. Um, I'm not sure if in, in our 
Facebook group or community, but I do recall in the Epic Collection Facebook group that I'm in, I think a few people, especially Curtis, has been very happy to receive their copy of Butcher's Moon. Um, yeah, I've, I've pre-ordered it as well. I think it's coming sometime in October, so can't wait. I mean, it, it covers... Uh, gosh, what what would it cover? Let me, um, let me just double-check for you. I didn't... Uh, it actually is the first time that a bit of Mark Spector Moon Knight will be uh, collected in some form, in some trade. So that's pretty exciting. Um, let me just quickly go back here and check out what I can. Uh, yeah, so I'll be looking forward to that. Let me just quickly, it's not helping me at all. Um, Midnight Epic Collections, yes. So, from here, it looks like it will include uh, Moon Knight uh, 1 to 6, so that's the Fist of Conchu from 1985. It will include Marvel Team Up from 1972, 144. From memory, I think that's the one with the Purple Man, and Spider-Man, and Iron Fist, and Luke Cage, and Daredevil. Uh, it will also include Marvel Fanfare 1982. Uh, that's issue 30. And again, from memory, I think that's when he meets Gaia or Mother Earth. It's a really cool cover. Um, definitely check it out if you haven't or, or just get the epic collection. And it has the first seven issues of Mark Spector Moon Knight, uh, which is bloody awesome, as well as material from Solo Avengers 3 and Marvel Fanfare 38 and 39, and Marvel Superheroes 1, which I think we have already covered. Uh, we've covered Solo Avengers 3, Marvel Fanfares, I, I think we've covered them, uh, and Marvel Superheroes, which was the spring special. Uh, you'd be able to hear that on one of our regular episodes, but for Petrunis, you'd probably know that Justin and I covered all the backup stories uh, in some subsequent um, consecutive bonus episodes exclusive for Petrunis. So, uh, yeah, so Moon Knight, the Epic Collection, Volume 4, that's released. Very excited indeed. And finally, I found this, which has got me just as excited. Now, for those that have been following Daredevil or do collect the series at the moment by Chip Zdarsky... Um, I do have it. I haven't read issue three yet, but apparently issue three uh, hints at this big battle that Daredevil will have with the Punisher. So we know the Punisher is the uh, the is he is like the hand is uh, like the right hand man for the hand or something. He's he's up there. Um, he's been controlled by the Beast. Uh, I don't think he's the leader of the hand. I'm not collecting the Punisher series, but he's is working. You know within the hand. Uh, so Daredevil is going to cross paths with him, but the exciting thing also is that it seems that Moon Knight will be jumping into the fray. And from the article I read, and I'll try to get this in the show notes, uh, it appears that he may have to choose a side. Uh, and I think it alludes to him being the good cop to Daredevil's bad cop. Uh, but that's really inappropriate for Moon Knight. So it might be bad cop, bad cop it seems. But very exciting. Uh, so we like to do our night watch as well. Uh, we've been trying to cover that. Uh, just our previous episode, 
302 with Rebecca. We did cover all the cameo appearances, so this might be the start of another whole bundle of Moon Knight appearances in other comics. Uh, hopefully, he'll have a substantial role, um, and I just can't wait to to see Chip Sadarsky kind of write him and uh, Mark Giacchetto draw him. That will be so cool. So, uh, yeah, so keep your eyes out. We'll, we'll keep our, our eyes out on it as well. Loonies, please uh, share any info that you have, but it looks like Daredevil, say Daredevil issue four onwards, or you may even want to pick up Daredevil issue three. Uh, it has, yeah, for the completionists, um, it has mention of Moon Knight. And, uh, yeah, I haven't read it yet. I said he, he might turn up. I don't know if he actually appears in the, in the issue, but uh, it's worth checking out. So that's pretty much the news uh, that I could gather for this week. Uh, nothing too kind of involved or uh, too big. Like we, we haven't got another anthology series for Moon Knight. Uh, he's back to his one series, but he is popping up, as I mentioned just then, uh, in some other series. So, uh, you know, the awareness for Moon, Moon Knight is still out there. Uh, an after effect of the TV show, no doubt. So I think let's head on to our Lunapic classic run review. And as mentioned, uh, we're going to be looking at volume one, issue 21. Uh, now, th we're lucky. There are like two stories here. There's a, a nice full story. Uh, called Master of Night Earth. Uh, so this was released 30th of March 1982 with a cover cover date of July 1982. Uh, so we have the, the main story, Master of Night Earth, and uh, a little bit of a change in the lineup. Writer Doug Mensch, of course, uh, but we have a, a penciler, a new penciler, I, I think just for this issue. I think we return to Bill's work uh, in 22. But penciler Vincent Alcazar, with two inkers here, and I'll talk a bit about that later. Uh, John Tartaglione and Bob Camp. We have colorist Christy Skeel, uh, letterer Irv Watanabe, and editor Denny O'Neill. So that was the, the first, the main story. And following that, we have Tales of Conchu, Murder by Moonlight. So this was a fun little ditty, and uh, I'll cover this briefly after the, the chat about um, Master of Night Earth, uh, because it's a shorter story. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know if there's that much to go into it, but I'll, I'll try to cover it as best as I can. Uh, writer Alan Zelenitz, uh, penciler Greg LaRoque, uh, inker Dave Simons, colorist Chrissy Skeel, letterer Diana Albers, and again, editor Denny O'Neill. Now, this comic is available in uh, many versions, uh, of course, floppy version, which um, these days, because of the TV show, it might cost you a little bit more than what you'd expect, um, or you might find it in a bargain bin for all you lucky, lucky US listeners, lucky comic book fans. Uh, so it's in floppy format, it's in a digital format, and that also means you can buy it uh, from Kindle, but also you can view it on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, it's also in an epic collection, uh, the Moon Knight Epic Collection Volume 2, Shadows of the Moon. I think it's right towards the end there. I think that epic ends um, around about issue 23. So it's towards the end. Uh, it's in, I, I read it, um, you know, in the Moon Knight Omnibus. That's Volume 2 of the Omnibus. It's actually the, the very first 
issue from that omnibus. Um, just thought I'd give it a go, having a read on the nice, you know, vibrant colours and, and to me what seems to be larger than normal pages, which is always fun to read comics when they're just a little bit bigger. Uh, and finally, it's also available in that black and white kind of newspaper stock from the Essential Collection, which is out of print, but you know, if you've got it on your shelf and you want to you wanna read it uh, in that format, it's in volume two. So go check that out. Uh, as always, for listeners who may not be familiar, I mean, we've been doing this uh, for a lot of the newer comics, of course. As I said, it's been ages since we've done or we've gone back to the classic run or even like earlier modern run reviews. Um, but what we usually do, we'll go through a bare bones or a synopsis. And this time, provided by a wiki, old cuz wiki. Uh, and then what I will do is I'll go through some key aspects of the story, um, things that really made up the story, uh, and followed by some notes. And I actually do have notes these uh, this episode um, to talk about, and that ranges from you know the writing, the plot, um, the the art, the layout, uh, themes, characterizations, and references to past or future runs. I'm going to say. And I'll cap all this off with a, a rating out of 10 from the Connoisseur's rating system. So let's let's get underway. Here is issue 21, The Master of Night Earth. Moon Knight accepts a job to fight against a terrorist coup in um, Haiti. He meets and hooks up with Brother Voodoo there who has reason to believe the terrorists are tied to an outbreak of Zuvembis he's been fighting. Moon Knight eventually finds out the governor who hired him was also the terrorists' leader and just wanted to throw off suspicion while he arranged a coup from within the government. He also reveals himself as Grand Boys, commander of the Zuvembis. Moon Knight and Brother Voodoo work together to break the corpse's link with the evil lower animating them which in turn loses Grand Boys the loyalty uh, of his living soldiers, whose dead ancestors he had been holding in his thrall. With the villain defeated, Moon Knight agrees to return his payment, which was illegally taken from the Haitian treasury. So that was a very quick synopsis. Um, it... I felt it didn't really cover everything, uh, but basically, yeah, as you heard, Moon Knight is in Haiti um, on a contracted job to, um, you know, foil some terrorists' plans. Uh, he meets up with Brother Voodoo. Um, there's some cool zombie action along the way, uh, and he, yeah, as, as the synopsis says, it turns out that Giscard, his... Um, his contractor was actually the villain in a twist uh, and he's kind of undone um, with the, the team up of Moon Knight and Brother Voodoo. Yeah, so overall impressions, what I thought, I thought this was uh, a very a very cool, I guess, issue. Uh, I always like how Moon Knight goes overseas and is not just bound to the US it really does make him a global kind of superhero um, and although you know I love the likes of Jed McKay's run at the moment uh, all set in 
um, in New York, uh, by having him overseas and and here, it just reminded me of 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 course the uh, some of the issues earlier on in Volume One, but also in Mark Spector as well uh, in Fisakonshu, that sort of thing. It just gives him a different flavour. Uh, in this instance, there is really an absence of Konshu, uh, and I guess that aspect. Uh, of Moon Knight's, um, I guess, character, but that is no, uh, by no way really made apparent or is there a void because the lack thereof of it. Uh, I think the the cool exotic backdrop of Haiti and the fact that we get zombies, which incidentally I will call out already, uh, we had seen earlier uh, in the year before 1981 in Moon Knight issue 6 um, he fights zombies there um, they were referred to as Zavembis also um, which again I found an interesting point I'll get to that later but yeah it was um, it was really good uh, there were I guess there were some inconsistencies that did kind of influence how I saw the issue as a whole um, and there were bits of the writing there from Mensch which I thought was uncharacteristic um, and it may be just like a flourish from Mensch uh, and also the artwork uh, I think um, that's the gentleman's name I think Vincent Alcazar did a really good job the inkers though were very apparent um, and maybe I'll just jump to no, oh no. Yeah, I'll jump to that note straight away. I mean, art-wise, um, I thought it was quite not jarring, but very noticeable the, the differences in in inking styles between uh, Tartaglione and and Bob Camp. Uh, there is very much a, um, I guess, a more standard vibe. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume that it's John Tartaglione. I could be absolutely wrong. Uh, and then that's kind of juxtaposed, and there doesn't seem to be any um, intention to use a different artwork for for various aspects. Like we've seen it, that the big example is in the Lemire run where he uses uh, Greg Smallwood, um, Wilfred Torres, uh, James Stokoe, Francesco Francavia. Their different artworks within the issues and within the arc were used in great effect because they're meant to be different kind of environments. Over here in this issue, issue 21, it seems just random that perhaps I'm assuming um, Alcazar penciled everything and I guess they just gave a bunch of pages to Bob Camp and a bunch of pages to John Tartaglioni. So it kind of chops and changes a bit with the inking. Uh, I don't have too much... Um, I don't have too much of an issue with the actual inking as well. I mean, I'm assuming it's Bob Camp's, and to me it actually looks like more of a, an underground, independent kind of comic book art uh, with his really heavy ink lines uh, and his kind of rough... Um, textures and shading and very kind of stylized um, look uh, I didn't mind that at all but it's just the fact that it, it is quite different from Tartaglioni's um, inking which looks more it's more suited to you know it's more akin to um, your standard comic book inker it makes the um, makes the figures the backdrops uh, a bit more realistic um, and so yeah I, I 
was kind of taken out a bit by just this inconsistency. But going back to um, the key points, I mean, the first key point for me is this team up with Brother Voodoo. Uh, and again, I think it's quite interesting. Um, Brother Voodoo, look, he's a fringe character as well, and, and admittedly he's fringe, similar to Moon Knight, although now Moon Knight's had a TV show and, and all that. It's um, His profile has risen. Uh, but I guess with uh, with voodoo and and zombies, uh, you the the go to would be brother voodoo, as um as a team team up kind of ally. Uh, but for the most part, I think he was done really well. Um, I had like talking about some inconsistencies with the writing. Uh, there was one moment in it uh, with Brother Voodoo that kind of was left up in the air. Uh, there was a moment uh, moment of, like, one of the, um, pardon me, one of the um, tense bits, I guess, or one of the peaks of the storyline where Moon Knight and Brother Voodoo, uh, the river forks off and they go, you know, Moon Knight and Frenchie goes down one branch of the river and Brother Voodoo goes down the other. Then Brother Voodoo kind of meets up with a... Um, he canoes towards a waterfall. And Moon Knight tries to save him because he's going to fall off the edge. And he's not worried. And he just disappears. But then he just mystically reappears again. And, and I know Brother Voodoo has powers and all that. But it just seemed a little too unresolved um, from, from Mensch. It just seemed that like that... Uh, writing that and writing Brother Voodoo to that point where he kind of falls off the waterfall seemed purposeless. Uh, I mean, it was it's on the nose. It's there to kind of create some tension, but it wasn't resolved. I mean, he just turns up again uh, in in a puff of smoke. So I thought that was a little bit weak uh, with the with the writing. But overall, Brother Voodoo, I think he does really well. He, of course, his brother Daniel is there. He has, has a big part in it too. He kind of possesses some of the terrorists. And that's, you know, that's um, the incentive for, uh, you know, part of the incentive for Brother Voodoo and Moon Knight to follow these terrorists. Moon Knight is there contractually. Uh, brother Voodoo uh, is using his brother uh, almost like a beacon um, to, you know, to fight crime and do good. So his brother Daniel is there almost kind of like as a, as a spider bug. You know, that's how I kind of think of it, akin. Uh, and Brother Voodoo is using his spider sense to, to get closer to the, the spider tracer. Sorry, not the spider bug. Uh, yes, so, yeah, Brother Voodoo was pretty cool, I thought. Um, and, again, worked really well. He had some good action uh you know, even their Moon Knight comments on, you know, you've got to be more than just a guy that can do magic because you certainly can handle yourself, you know, with your fists. Um, so, so Moon Knight says, say, you're doing all right yourself, brother. Looks like you've got other powers you ain't mentioned yet. Uh, and Brother Voodoo goes on to say, yeah, when his, when his brother Daniel died, he actually gained the strength of two, two men. Uh, so, you know, he's not super strong like Spider-Man or... Um, I don't know who's slightly strong, you know, or or Captain America even. I think Captain America is probably stronger, uh, but he's you know he's got the strength of two men, so that's kind of amped up. Uh, one of the things though, and just looking at that interaction with Moon Knight and Brother Voodoo, 
again, with the writing, um, I'm going to say that there was some weird... Oh, actually, with characterizations, I'll put it under that. There's some weirdness going on with Moon Knight. Now, I don't know whether Doug Manch is just having fun with it and he just wants to kind of add flourish to his writing. We know he writes really uh, with a sense of lyricism and and poetry. I mean, um, quick example, the very beginning... It says, um, at first there was nothing but the creaking of heavy crates, the groaning of rotted wharf planks, the sibilant lapping of the murky river Artibonite, and the urgent whispering of revolutionary terrorists. I mean, this is the Doug Mensch that we know and love. Yet I find that he has um, he has Moon Knight's voice. Uh, Moon Knight sounds to me more like Jake Lockley than the typical Moon Knight Volume 1 kind of iteration of Moon Knight, i.e., you know, like Mark Spector. Um, he just chalks with a lot of, I don't know how to say it, jibe, or just a lot of uh, jargon. Um, like, you know, here, I'm just looking through here. Look, they're running faster in a clock at happy hour. And uh, anything he says here, it says, um, uh, I guess you heard my prize-winning monologue, Frenchie. So he's talking to Frenchie through his cow. The birds have flown, so you might as well bring down the chopper to pick up. And then he talks about some um, some drums that he hears. Uh, Real voodoo? You mean jungle hocus-pocus? You can't be serious. Wait a minute. On second thought, maybe I better not scoff at the weedo angels. He just has this kind of more playful, more kind of, I guess, st- street or casual way of talking, which... Uh, maybe it's because I haven't read issue or volume one in a long time, but I'm pretty sure in the earlier issues he was a bit more straight laced. Um, he had a dry sense of humor, but this is almost, can I say, almost like Ben Grimmy talking, <laughs> kind of that kind of flashy talk. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find another uh, example here. Um, do you mind if uh, do you, say yeah as well? You know, instead of you, do you mind if I don't like the looks of him? What say we make him the dying dead? I got some razor sharp crescent darts here that'll, you know. He, so he just talks in a really weird way. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, sorry, you've got to indulge me here. I'm just having fun with this. Uh, I was afraid of that. See how fast I'm catching on with this voodoo jazz. This one must have been dead quite a while. Skulls are as brittle as eggshell. Uh, so, yeah. So he, he talks really kind of lax, I think. Um, and that kind of took me away a little from the Moon Knight that I know. And again, I could be absolutely wrong. Maybe he is kind of this fellow. Maybe it's Jake taking over. Uh, but, yeah, the voice of Moon Knight was very, kind of very different for me. Uh Speaking of, again, as I mentioned, uh, Brother Voodoo, Samuna ends up fighting zombies in in Haiti with, with Brother Voodoo. And as I mentioned, we have seen this before in issue six, which is um, was really cool. And it's a recurring theme as well. So I've actually pegged um, seven years later in Mark Spector Moon Knight, there's issue six and seven, where again, he fights zombies. So we've got that kind of supernatural element that harks all the way back to Werewolf by Night and we've got this um, this side of Moon Knight uh, and that's what I mentioned before about you we take a back seat with the Egyptian deity side of things and now we we see the this this side this facet which is more the supernatural and that's 
um, what I really like, I guess, mostly about this issue is that we delve into that, um, you know, to that kind of genre. Um, so, I mean, at, at the same time as well, it's still keeping its roots with uh, with Moon Knight being contracted and there being a, a potential coup d'etat in the Haitian government. Uh, and it's all about a, a head of security for the government um, being the the villain at the end. So th- there are strong ties to his his usual kind of adventures. Um, speaking of which as well, again, if I'm to go to the characterizations of Moon Knight, what I did again find quite striking in this was Moon Knight going back to his Merc ways and, and almost embracing it. Um, we see Mark relishing how he's um, he's been contracted and he's gonna he's getting paid to, to hunt down these terrorists. Uh, if I can just find it as well, uh, yeah, he just talked about. Um, you might say that what I'm doing now, what I'm the very best at, and doing it by way of my identity as a costumed clown. I mean, he, he really pokes fun at himself even as well. And though I got money to burn, I don't mind picking up a little extra cash. So uh, Brother Voodoo then says, then you were paid to come here to, to Haiti? And Moonlight then recalls, yeah, you might say so. And he recalls how he got engaged, uh, how... Giscard engaged his services. So Giscard being uh, the head of security, uh, essentially contracting Moon Knight to take out the terrorists, which is really quite a, I thought, quite a shifty and smart plan to cover his own tracks. So when it's revealed, uh, and I'm going on to the other aspect here, uh, when it's revealed that Giscard is the master of night earth and night forests, I mean, although it was kind of predictable, uh, because a lot of the stories, I guess, of this time nowadays um, are quite predictable because, I guess, you know, storytelling has changed since then. It was still a cool twist, I thought. Um, and the reasoning, you know, behind why he's the villain, the fact that he's using Moon Knight as a smokescreen to take down these essentially these patsies that he's lined up as the terrorists um, who are working for him uh, to kind of like squash any thoughts that, oh, okay, so we've got the terrorists, it's all over, and then he can continue to uh, to bring down the government from within. I thought that was a pretty, a pretty smart um, bit of storytelling there. Uh, Going back to Moon Knight fighting the zombies, I wanted to make a point as well of... (laughs) I found this interesting. So in issue 6 of volume 1, we get zombies very much referred to as Zuvembis. And from what I read or what I understood, that was because Marvel couldn't use the term zombies here. Um, And as I was reading this issue 21, you have Moon Knight referring to the zombies as zombies. He calls them a zombie, uh, and Brother Voodoo maintains that they are Zavembis. I guess what they're trying to do is uh, there are different names for this type of creature. Um, if you're from America or US, you'd probably term them zombies, uh, but Brother Voodoo very much, uh, or Haitians, I guess, refer to them as Zavembis. I think my uh, speculation would be that uh, apparently that kind of copyright or, you know, um, 
trademark was taken down because at first Moon Knight says it once, but then he just really just repeats it over and over again. I think in one panel he says zombie about three times. Uh, yeah, well, this is another fine mess. Zombie men with zombie snakes coming out of their eyes, riding zombie alligators. They can't miss. And I don't know. I don't know whether it's poking fun that, you know, they can now use the word zombie. That Mensch decides, okay, well, I'm going to really just overplay it. Uh, but I thought that was um, that was pretty, uh, pretty fun. Uh, interesting point uh, since, from what I understood, they weren't allowed to use it before. Uh Going also back, bouncing back to the other aspect now of this card is the Master of Night, uh, Night Earth. I did think there was a potential missed opportunity in the themes. I mean, as as far as the themes of the story go, it's pretty cut and paste, right? I'm sorry, clear cut or cut and paste, whatever. Um, it's pretty clear cut in the fact that uh, Moon Knight goes over, but there's this you know, this struggle for power in the government and there's a fun little romp with the supernatural zombies and you get you get the cameo from a guest, which is pretty cool. Um, I thought a theme which could have been explored and maybe just there wasn't time to was that Moon Knight being the avatar of Conchu, avatar of vengeance, going up against the master of Night Earth. Uh, I was expecting some sort of showdown, even for the fact that... Um, Towards the end, there was mentioned that it's a full moon, uh, and they need the. Let me get it exactly here. He says, um, so he's got this kind of enchanted stone. Uh, he's got the skull Wangul suspended above, and apparently that kind of has some sort of mystical abilities. Uh, and he says the full moon will have traversed the sky to the sacred position of Guede Nimbo. And when it beams, when its beams come through the skylight right behind you, and fall upon the Wangle skull, uh, then they will, then will my control over death be complete. So, I thought full moon, like Mooney, will have his strength up to full power as well. Surely there'll be some sort of reference to that, but I, I didn't see it. And whether I mean there is a bit where he kind of snaps his his bonds. I mean, whether that's it, but it's very subtly done. Uh, there's not much to it. Uh, also, as well, he uses his truncheon to smash the Wangle skull, uh, or, or tries to, shall I say. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't effectively show any kind of effect of the moon on Moon Knight, which I thought was a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh now, also, um, just having a look, going back again to the art, I'm just checking my notes here. Uh, a point of difference I found with the, the inking was there was also a, a toing and froing of Moon Knight's face, which was apparent. Um, very much so in the, again, I'm going to call it the Tartaglione inking. Uh, you get the black kind of face in the sh in the shadows over his, uh, in his hood. Whereas with the Bob Camp one, you get more of the, the classic Moon Knight where you really do see like the bigger eyes. You see the white mask that he wears, um, you know, under his hood. Uh, so, yeah, that sense as well, I think, played into the inconsistencies of um, of this. Uh, other points for writing uh, I've got here. Um, Frenchie, Frenchie and the Chopper. I thought that was really cool. 
we don't get it that much. Frenchie had, again, uh, a bit of a backseat to this story, but he's referenced a lot. Like, Moon Knight talks to him a lot. He only has a few lines. I think there was actually one line. I'm not even going to pretend to to try and find it uh, where you get that, you know, over-the-top French accent from Frenchie uh, talking back. Uh, but... Another thing which I thought was really... Oh, yeah, here we, Mark. I see the skylight. Uh, that's towards the end. Another thing in that lead-up as well, uh, apart from the... Uh, I'm going to say the atrocious moon copter, which was used as a reference in the Houston Finch run, which looked way better. But anyway, um, we have the moon copter, slightly phallic. I'm looking at the panel, and, you know, if you know, you know. Uh and it uses, the French uses machine guns. And I love this. Uh, look, I'm not an advocate for violence or guns, but um, the moon copter being more than just dropping down the rope ladder and just being a mode of transport, but being an offensive vehicle, I'm always all for, you know. Um, that was in, was it in the Ellis run from memory, I think? Uh, as well as uh, the Benson run as well, I think. Benson and Texera. Um it's great to see the guns come out, uh, also in the Mark Sector Moon Knight run. Um, but that proves pivotal in the fact that Moon Knight can't destroy that Wangle skull. Uh, but Frenchie, with with incredible aim, uh, gets a helicopter, manages to shoot through a dormer in the, uh, the roof, uh, shatter the glass, and smash the skull. Uh, he's got incredible aim. Call him Bullseye, call him Hawkeye. Call him what you will. He's a saving grace. So, uh, yeah, so then that pretty much kind of wraps it up. Giscard is taken away. Uh, as mentioned, there is something which does tie in from memory to, uh, again, issue six, where uh, the ancestors of... Uh, the dead ancestors are used to blackmail people. Um, so Giscard has used the, the dead ancestors to blackmail these people to, to be his soldiers. Um, but once they kind of are finally put back to rest, uh, there's no reason for his henchmen to, to be with Giscard. And, and so they depart as well. And he's taken away by the coppers. Uh, so yeah, that that wraps up, I think, this, this issue. And, and giving it a a moon rating, I'd give it from Conishu's system a solid round boy. I'm going to give it a 7. I think I was going to give it lower because, unfortunately, I was impacted a little bit by the art and the the toing and froing between Incas. But the story is, is fun enough as it is, and I think Brother Voodoo does a good job. We get some zombie fights. I mean, the, the action is kind of incidental. It's cool to see zombies with snakes coming out of their eye sockets, you know, their skull eye sockets and, and zombie alligators. Uh, it would have been cool to linger on them a bit more and just see zombies in action. But, you know, for what it's worth, Moon Knight does his fair share, uh, and he also does his um, kind of merc. It's a bit of a merc adventure as well, albeit in a uh, stupid costumed clown guise. So 7 out of 10 uh, for that. Um, anyway, let's take a quick break. I'm just going to have a little bit of a, a slurp to, to wet the whistle again. And uh, when we come back, uh, just a little bit of uh, feedback in our quotation mark segment uh, before we wrap up the show. So catch you soon. 
Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Yes, welcome back. Looney listeners, you are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 303, and you are with your high priest of Conchu, Ray. And before we get into our listener feedback, I did forget uh, the backup story, Tales of Conchu, Murder by Moonlight. So I won't go in as much depth into this one because it's only a fraction of the size of the first story. But essentially, what happens in it is that, you know, it opens up with some cops and there's a, one of the cops has been shot by someone, which, you know, has kind of kicks off the story in, in a cool fashion. And we get the murderer, Herb Russell fleeing from the scene. Uh, he, he makes his way into the Brooklyn Museum. Uh, and as he kind of sneaks past... We get a bit of an insight. There's a there's a lecture going on, and funnily enough, we kind of tune into that, and they talk about what I, I don't. It can't be. It can't be new technology, but it just seems that this newfangled thing of X-raying mummies kind of gives more information, and we don't have to handle the mummies, um, but we can learn a lot about it. Um, so, you know, so this guy, uh, Doctor Richard Mark. Um, Dr. Dick Mark is concluding an evening's lecture and he says about, you know, just the, the value of x-rays uh, and, yeah, and learning from it you know, and the value of this technology. Sets it up, kind of. You know what I mean? So we, we track back to Herb Russell. He kind of goes through the museum. He sees the statue of Conchu and then this kind of interaction between the moon and Conchu and, you know, the moonlight hits the Conchu statue, uh, Herb Russell gets really scared. Then he hears someone coming, so he hides in a coffin. And and this actually reminded me of, I believe it was one of the Hulk magazine backup stories where this guy goes into like this Iron Maiden or something. But anyway, it's, it's unrelated to that. Uh, so this guy uh, hides in the sarcophagus of a mummy and a security guard comes and in, and in true kind of like dark, macabre, um, you know, stories, um, this guy, Herb, gets trapped in the sarcophagus. And I assume he just dies. He just like suffocates uh, and he's no more. Uh, the ending is just like really quick. Dr. Richard Mark comes up, contemplate more of the x-rays being taken and one of the curators or examiners goes oh my gosh you know the mummy we x-rayed this morning what's the matter you're not going to believe this but it's carrying a gun so uh and then it just ends with conchu he's the statue just looking on ominously uh a nice little dark story uh i it was cool i mean i have nothing against it i like the the concept and the idea of her brussel just being locked away forever it confused me a little bit at the end. Like, bear with me. I would have loved it if 
you know, say that the coffin, the sarcophagus got, got jammed shut with him in it. And, um, and then you go like years and years later on or like into the future and, um, and yeah, something like not even seeing the gun, but kind of like they do the x-ray and they see that the bones are like perfectly preserved or something, you know, just to give you that sense that what's happened to this mummy? How come it's perfectly preserved? Because for me, the fact that they reveal the gun, like just the way that my head works is that, okay, that's the end of the story. But then after the story, wouldn't they then just open up the, the coffin and see this dead guy and... You know, it kind of dispels that whole supernatural mystique and macabre kind of tale for me. Uh, but anyway, that's just me. Um, so a nice little, uh, a nice little story to back up. Uh, and speaking of this little story, because it does tie in to our quotation mark, our feedback, and got some feedback on our Facebook group by Jonathan Sapsid. So hello, Jonathan, a, a valued Petruni, uh, awesome member of the community. And Jonathan writes in about issue 21. He said, a breather for Bill Sienkiewicz and the art's quite a departure, but is interesting with the voodoo iconography. It's all live and let die voodoo cliche, even down to the crocs. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Brother voodoo's always fun though. Agreed too. It seems Mooney's doing a little moonlighting with the Merc business, but we see he's not really in it for the money in the end. The best thing is the cover by Bill, one of the several striking classics in the 20s. Oh, and the Zelenet story is really good. Is this Conchu's only solo story ever? Uh, so I wanted to address that first, Jonathan. And I don't know, you may have done a little bit of digging yourself, but I did on Wiki Fandom. Uh, so this is indeed like the first backup story of Tales of Konshu, and it continues in issue 22, and then it stops. Uh, so a short-lived little idea uh, from Editorial or Doug Mensch or whomever. Um, I would have loved to have seen it carry on, similar to you know, those backup stories of Mark Spector before he was Moon Knight and as a, as a mercenary. I just love the kind of pulpy... And the, and the opportunity to explore these different genres with Moon Knight in these backup stories. I just love it. So having said that, I can't wait for um, the Moon Knight annual, which incidentally I forgot to add in the news. I think Jed had released a preview, or there are previews of the pages for Moon Knight, uh, the Moon Knight annual. So go check that out too. <laughs> um, but thank you so much, Jonathan. Uh, very much so. You're right, though. Uh, he's not really in it for the money in the end because he gives all the money he donates or, or donates it all away it's illegal haitian you know funds procured from the government um so yeah he, he does absolutely the right thing but for me he did seem to relish the idea of making a bit of money on the side uh, at the beginning so i don't know i don't know what you make of that um but no thank you very much jonathan well Looney listeners, that pretty much wraps it. You're probably bored to death. You're probably in your own sarcophagus now, wishing that I was an Iron Maiden after <laughs> listening to Ray for, you know, the good part of an hour or just under an hour. But thank you for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope to make it even better, I hope you like pulled out your copy of issue 21 and just kind of followed along. Uh, it's always fun to, to do these classic, you know, rev reviews and classic runs. Uh, Spectacle, before we go, 
I just want to, a couple of things, shameless self-promotion. Uh, so most recently, the latest to know who is to fear her, Spider Woman podcast episode has been released, episode 30. So Saren and I get to chat about Bendis. Uh, issue two of his Spider Woman origin run, which is a fantastic run. So you, you've heard me, you know, poke fun at Brian, but um, he truly is a master of his game when he's on his game, uh, and he certainly is so with Spider Woman origin. So we do issue two there. We have a good good look. That's the second episode for the month for To Know Who's To Fear Here. We're trying to go uh, fortnightly, which um. It's fun for us. It's all about just finding the right time. And also as well, recently released is uh, our second episode, second official episode of Predator and Prey. It's the latest podcast show that I have the absolute honor and privilege of doing with Russell and Justin. Uh, you would know them as fellow loonies as well, but they're also podcasters in their own right. Uh hosts to gamma charge the strongest podcast there is i can't do it as well as justin and uh and times of evil here and there is a hobgoblin historia i should say um as well but yeah on predator and prey we have a fun time talking about predator the original movie 1987 with arnold schwarzenegger uh, as well as ed brisson's issue two of predator with kev walker very cool and chapters four to six of the latest anthology novel eyes of the demon uh, all predator stories so continuing that we did the the first three chapters um, back in our first episode next phase is episode 304 and it so happens that after a waning crescent you generally get a waxing crescent so uh, if you look up into the night sky next week, it will be a waxing crescent, which means it's another lunar pick, but it's a modern run review. And this time, I had to do a bit of checking as well, because it's been a while. Uh, it will be Moon Knight Volume 6, Issue 12, which is the finale of Bendis' run. Coincidentally, I was just talking about Bendis. Uh, so we'll wrap up that uh, that series, finally. Uh, as for co-host um, TBA... I'll, uh, I'll be hopefully just asking around, and again, it's all to do with timing and, and schedules. Hopefully we can make it happen. Um, otherwise, it's going to be another solo outing from yours truly. A, a big thank you to our Petrunis once again. Each and every one of you, you too can support the show. Uh, check out all the bonus uh, incentives, uh, all that sort of stuff on patreon.com slash itkmoonnight. And the people that have already done that, and a huge thank you to, are at uh, Odin, Daniel, Drew, Frank, Justin, Derek, Wayne, Josh, Anthony, Russell, Michael, Mario, Matthew, and Jonathan. Thank you, each and every one of you. Uh, you guys rock. Uh, it's really cool to be able to to do a show that supports itself just through the love of this character so th thank you so much uh speaking of principal sponsors uh some of the top tier protrunies a big shout out to odin odin sword and his podcast drinking marvel podcast uh frank the think tank dukes is on instagram check out moon Knight visions that's with a z uh daniel doing who you've probably heard many times a long time patroni 
and his fringe night. He actually did. Uh, he attended a con recently. Uh, posted it up in the group uh, with his original indie-based comic book character, Fringe Knight, uh, Pencil- Pennsylvania's very own mysterious superhero. Uh, Patreon.com slash Fringe Knight 27 is where you can catch and support Daniel with his independent creations. Uh, Drew Toomes, uh, such a fun, awesome fella. I know he's been loving the likes of She-Hulk and looking forward to Werewolf by Night on Disney+. Plus. Uh, you can catch Drew- Drew's awesome music, uh, and he's got two sites for that, namely on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash tombs with a Z, and his other moniker, Lurk Music. So Lurk Music with a CK at the end, dot bandcamp.com. Well, again, all these will be in the show notes, so you can just click the links. Uh, CLZ Comics, a big thank you to them. Uh, they're at collectors.com. Go check it out. I'm absolutely loving this database. Seriously, I'm not just saying that. Uh, I refer to it almost on a daily basis. I like to keep my collection up to scratch up to speed recorded you know I, I know which ones are bagged and boarded i know comics that i've i've like paid for and are waiting to arrive i know which ones i've ordered so i can i can keep a tab of that and then i just flick them off into connect collection once uh, they arrive it gives it gives a good track of um you know because i don't know about you sometimes you can tend to buy you go a bit crazy you buy a lot of stuff and you kind of forget what you buy uh, so this is a good way of keeping track of that. And finally, Dreamland Comics. Use the code MOON and you get 20% off their online store. Uh, finally, a, a big thank you. We are part of the collective uh, like-minded podcasters. As I mentioned, there were a couple of there before. Gamma Charge, uh, the strongest podcast there is. I'm going to shout out EMP, Earth's Mightiest Podcast. And, uh, of course, the boys over at TV Podcast Industries. They're on holidays at the moment. A big hello um, hope you're enjoying Dubrovnik, I think I saw, uh, John and Jarek, uh, yeah, loving, loving your work, loving your shows, hope you're having a good time too. Finally, you can email us at feedback at itkmoonlight.com, we've got a website, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal, and Podchaser, um, all of those links are in the show notes. That pretty much wraps us loonies thank you so much i hope you're still with us i hope you haven't fallen asleep if you have have a gentle slumber and hopefully when you wake you'll be refreshed and revitalized but with that may conchi watch over the denizens of the night catch you later and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.